Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Analyzing. I'm Garth Haslam. In this episode, I'm talking to Chris Rexwell. Now, Chris is former military. He's seen and done hard. He's uh, been there. He's had the marriage. He's had the divorce. He's got the kids. And he's, like the rest of us, he's struggling his way through life. The difference, one of the differences is that he's willing to talk about it. And he's willing to address his demons by helping me and you and others address ours. Uh, that makes him open, it makes him vulnerable, and it makes him a respectable dude. Uh, somebody who I would like to call a friend for the rest of my life. This is a good man who's uh, just trying to find his way through all of the uh, beatings that life is handing him. And he's rising above, and he talks about it. Here's the interview. Chris Adams. Uh, here's what I know about you thus far. Uh, you're in a Facebook men's rights group, and you right, got a beard. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's about everything I know about you right now. Tell me a little bit about you. What's your favorite thing um, today? So I just had my son for the first time in eight months last week. Uh, so that was the um, pinnacle of my year so far. <laughs> for the first time in eight months. So you basically yes. haven't had him at all this year. Uh, Aside from in. two separate occasions um, that ended terribly. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Well, let's go down that road. Let's talk about ended terribly. Uh, yeah. So um, my ex and I had split in the tail end of January. Uh-huh. And uh, she had taken my son and yeah, refused to recognize equal custody. Uh-huh. And wouldn't um, let me have my son at all. Did the court and give then, you uh, equal custody? They just did. They just, just uh, did. Two weeks ago, yeah. Okay. Before then, um, it was kind of loosey-goosey. No, nobody was dictating anything. We had both um, actually filed on the same day against each other. And back in February, uh, we didn't have a court hearing until May, and we didn't get our ruling until September 21st. Dang, and all this time she kept the kid away from you. Does she live anywhere near you? Uh, she lives across town. It's about a 20-minute drive. Not too far. Not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Where do you live, by the way? What what state? Uh, up in uh, Alaska. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, like uh, <laughs> Anchorage, Juneau? Yep, uh, Anchorage. I've never been up there. I hear that uh, mosquitoes are your state bird. They are. They are. Uh, this summer they weren't too bad, but, I mean, it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful state to live in. I bet, especially during the summer when you get uh, just a little bit of sunshine. Yeah, here at Anchorage, you know, we typically get between 18 to 20 hours of sunlight in the summertime. Yeah, and then during the winter, it's like one hour of sunshine, I guess. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Have you always lived in Alaska? Uh, yeah, born and raised. Um, yeah, my whole life uh, right here in Anchorage. I watch those uh, TV shows about uh, fishing for a crab or whatever, and I'm thinking, man. Oh, I know. There's a dozen of them now. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm like yeah I all those uh, freezing waves coming across. I don't care if I'm wearing a uh, a raincoat or not, man. That just doesn't sound pleasant. 
Oh, definitely not. No. So what do you do? Uh, I work for a fire protection company. Uh huh. So, um, I've kind of bounced around within that company. I started out doing dispatch and, uh, moved into the field doing inspections. And now I work in the purchasing department. Well, that's a lot more uh, cozy than uh, being out on a boat in the middle of uh, Arctic land. Right, right. I mean, we definitely uh, we travel all across the state, you know, uh, winter, summer, you know, rain, snow. So uh, our technicians uh, so definitely see quite a bit. <laughs> you're you're in those bush plains and in, in the middle of the negative uh, 30 then. And you stay there because you said it's beautiful. I bet it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I had my first child really early on, uh, just out of high school and kept me here. And after, you know, a certain amount of time, you just kind of, you know, stay here. You know, yeah. I've, I've been to other States and just nothing, nothing compares to, you know, the beauty of Alaska. I bet. Yeah. That's, uh, I have friends that go there on cruises and whatever, and, and beautiful is always the word they use when they describe it. Yeah. Yeah. You said first kid. How many kids have you got? Uh, two. I've got um, a daughter. She's a teenager now. And then uh, my son, who uh, he's three. Different moms? Yep. Yep. Different moms. So your uh, your daughter, the older one, the teenager, she's yours. You get to see her, sounds like, quite a bit more often. Does she stay with you? Uh, yeah. Usually on uh, weekends. I live about 50 miles away from her mother. So uh, I usually, you know, I'll get her on weekends and, you know, go out and have dinner with her and everything. Uh -huh. But we have a pretty, pretty good, you know, co-parenting relationship now. That's good. And it doesn't sound like you have nearly yeah. as good a co-parent relationship with uh, number dose. No, definitely not. <laughs> what are the failures? So there was a moment when I was about to do a divorce and I went to uh, the only place that I could think of. I wasn't going to talk to any friends of mine about it because I didn't know what they would think. And I, it was just too personal. So I went to the source mm -hmm. of all knowledge. I, I played internet spades at the time. And I asked one of my uh, internet spades friends about how to do a divorce. And, uh, I, she basically said, as long as you don't turn, turn your kids into ponds, you'll be great. And I was like, Oh, I'll be great. And then she turned the kids into ponds. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But I'll ask you that same question. If your uh, co-parenting relationship with wife number uno is uh, is good and with number two is not, what's the difference? You and her. Uh, we just have completely separate ideologies. Um, I've always, you know, before we even split up, you know, for the best interest of my son was always at heart. With her, you know, she seems to use him, you know, like you'd said, as a pawn, you know, Right. Or an accessory, you know, uh -huh. uh, and, you know, as a weapon. Right. And how long has that been going on? Probably since the split. Yep. Yep. Uh, we're going nine months strong now. Very high conflict. What do you think that's doing the kid? You know, he's, he's struggling. Um, the first week I had him, you know, he was um, having a hard time adjusting and, you know, getting used to my own routine compared to his mother's. And, you know, uh, the very first night I had him, you know, you was whispering to me, uh, mommy doesn't like you. <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah. You know, that... and, you know, right. Right. And, you know, so I just sat him down and I said, you know, that's okay. But, you know, I like your mom, you know, you said, I don't, I, think I don't like your mom or I, he I should like... be putting that. 
I do. I, you know, I, I told him I do like your mom because I don't think you know he's not equipped to handle that type of you know tumultuous right relationship. Well, and what I was told by my lawyer is if you uh, if, if one parent tells um, or indicates in any way that the other parent is bad, then the kid is going to go well. That means I'm half bad. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if they're both uh, screaming at each other, telling each other that they're both broken, then the kid goes well. I'm a hundred percent bad. Right. And uh, yeah, that's that's not a good place to put a kid in. So you at some point you got fifty percent custody in court and uh did she follow the rules at that point uh to a degree she had insisted on multiple calls per day when he was in my care and uh when i refused you know i, I told her me maybe once at night while he gets suggested to this new schedule uh she said if you don't agree to this you're not going to have him yeah there's, said, uh, there's the weaponizing well, again yeah yeah so that sounds to me like something that uh, a person ought to work out, you know, with lawyers or a uh, mediator present is how many phone mm-hmm. calls per day are there going to be? Um, right. Right. I, I know that uh, my ex weaponized my kids. Uh, the first thing they would do is they'd come over. And for me, I was my liability to my ex-wife uh, for a number of months was greater than my total income. And so I was living on credit cards. And uh, so if I bought at the time a digital camera, which at that time was a big deal, it was not three minutes later that she was on the computer telling my ex-wife, dad bought this. Another way of weaponizing uh, the children. Right. Yeah, that that sounds to me like, you know, for the 10,000 or two dads that are listening to us, that that's an item to talk about with the baby mama, ex-spouse, whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of uh, difficult for the, the dude, you know, we're not, we're not programmed to talk. And for me, calling up my daughters and talking about randomness wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen. A, because that's not how us dudes operate. We don't just call somebody up to talk about, you know, how, how's your day? At least right. I'm not. Uh, we're going to call up because we got a reason to talk. We say that thing and then we hang up. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, whereas a woman is going to call the child and say, you know, how's your day? You know, did you pick your nose today? Whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, if she's calling multiple times per day. You can't do anything. So, right. Right. Yeah. What did that, what did that do to you? And when, when she's playing that game, uh, you know, I've really adapted to it at this point. Uh-huh. And, uh, now that I've got the court order to back me, you know, I've actually got some teeth to tell her, you know, no, that's not going to happen. Before we had this uh, court order, she would tell me, um, you know, if you don't do this or that, or, you know, if I don't like this, you know, you're not going to see your son or, you know, you're not going to be able to spend time with him. So now that we have this court order, uh, you know, it's given me a chance to, you know, kind of push back on that. Right. Um, what was a difficult moment during uh, either of the two divorces? And um, most importantly, uh, what did it do to your guts? Or, you know, what was your emotional response to it? With my most recent ex, um, it was just a difficult thing was, you know, being alone, coming home to an empty house, you know, 
I'd spent you know the better part of a decade committed uh-huh. to my family. So you know, friends have grown up; they got their own families, and so you know, just kind of ended up being stuck at home with nothing to do. You know, alone with my thoughts, and uh, uh, so that was a the- difficult part. But uh, so yeah, I'm going to paint the picture as I am seeing it now because I've been there. You know, I went from uh, being in a house with uh, three noisy kids and noise going everywhere and and TVs and Xboxes and bouncing and chattering to a basement apartment and no noise. And I'd turn the TV or the radio on and it just didn't make up for the fact that there was nobody there but me. Uh, that silence was right. torture. I, I would have just assumed been waterboarded. Um, is that oh, what yeah. it felt like yeah. for you? For quite a while that's how it felt you know and um but uh throughout all this i've really reconnected with a lot of my extended family and they've been supporting me so i've had that you know as an outlet which has been nice you you mentioned that you know your friends have a life now they've got their own families and what i heard you say is i couldn't go to them because they've got their own lives going so did you at that time have somebody to go to to break the silence I'm not really. I have um, a couple friends that I can talk to about certain things, but, um, you know, really, you know, I just kind of keep it to myself with a lot of, you know, the nitty gritty details. And, yeah. You know, I give like status updates, but I won't really divulge a lot of information. Yeah. That's because we're programmed to do exactly that. And it's, it's hard on no. you. I was actually warned by somebody, my brother-in-law who had previously been through a divorce. He says, you better, remember what it was like because the 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 living alone is going to be so bad that just that alone is going to motivate you to want to go back what did that do to your head you know what what were the things you were your demons were telling you while you were sitting there alone in your apartment you know there was definitely quite a few times where you know i think you know maybe i should reach out and maybe we can try to work this out and you know go back the way things were because you know it was comfortable you know the entire relationship was just toxic uh-huh. you know but um again you know it was, at that time it still seemed like it would be better than being home by myself you know yeah you kind of have to choose between a toxic relationship where you're living in the same house versus a toxic relationship where you're not right um, why why did you choose what you chose what was what was the difference between the toxicness uh it was just the overwhelming sense of freedom uh-huh. you know uh i distinctly remember it was about a week after we separated i had gotten off work you know it was a tough day at work and you know i decided you know i'm gonna stop in by the bar on the way home and just grab a drink you know and had I done that when we were together, you know, I wouldn't hear the end of it, but you know, I enjoyed my, my beer and, you know, went home and, you know, just felt great to be able to make those choices and not have to have any repercussions from them. Let's say that I'm uh, going to hand you uh, Robin Williams and he's a genie and he's going to give you one wish and it has to be uh, about the ex-wife. What are you going to wish for? uh for her yeah that's a good one um 
really would just be to be more understanding and you know communicative it was very much so like uh her way or the highway you know uh-huh. um everything that i'd done you know it had to be for her it would have been nice to you know to have equal give and take what do you think was going on in her head why did she need so desperately to control you what what was in it for her i could speculate that to the day i die but really i honestly think it's rooted in her family her mother is very much the same way and so are you know her sisters and they seem to you know seek out men that will do whatever they want and that is why you felt freedom is because now there's nobody mm-hmm. giving you grief for uh for being five minutes longer than your usual commute yeah right right my wife my present wife says uh told me that when she unloaded her ex and he was walking away, she just felt relief, like a burden was being taken off her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, in her case, that was a control thing that she was getting out from under. What are you looking for? What, Based on your experience, what are you looking for? Um, I would probably go for somebody that's, you know, independent, self-sufficient, uh, knows what they want. And, um, you know, respects boundaries. What kind of boundaries? Boundaries of, you know, privacy and, you know, personal freedoms. So basically, uh, if you want to stop at the bar and get a drink, you're, she's, she's going to respect that you, you're an adult and you can choose to do that and stay there for right, right. if you want to. Is, is that something that you learned about what you need based on the fact that the previous wives didn't, didn't do that, I guess? You said, you know, a, a self-contained woman, somebody who knows sh- who she is and is independent. Were mm-hmm. your, either of your previous wives not independent? Is that why that's important to you? Yeah. So um, my other baby mother, we were together in high school, so we never really had a chance to have a meaningful relationship, you know. But uh, with my current ex, it was just kind of something that, you know, I didn't realize how bad it was until I was out of it. Yeah, maybe the ex was insecure, so uh, because of that, she needed you around all the time. Uh, that maybe that's that's I'm guessing that's why you you mentioned that you needed somebody who is secure, uh, right? Yourself. Is that a fair statement? Did I or did I get that one wrong? No, no, I think you hit it right on the base. Um, you know, the past five years, you know, work been working every day, been the sole provider. Uh, for the last three years and uh, it takes a toll out you know after a while what uh what's your lowest moment in the last decade lowest moment was probably this you know custody fight and having my son taken away and not being able to have that relationship that i'd had you know the past three years of his life and then that lowest moment continued for eight months is that right right yep that's a lot of low moments. You go from being a dad, somebody you love, you have a meaning and a purpose, and then you just got dead air. What does that feel like? You know, just awful. You don't know what to do with yourself. You know, it's easy, you know, to say, oh, you know, go out and meet people and go do this. But oftentimes I found I had no, no motivation to do anything. Couldn't stand being with yourself and couldn't stand going out and meeting anybody. Right. I get that. I found that I couldn't really turn to the friends that I'd had because they were a couple friends and they were friends of mm-hmm. both of us. And I didn't know whose side they would take. So all of my friends were off limits. 
you know, they, they were mm -hmm. past tense friends. Even a guy that had been my friend since second grade, I didn't even know if I could rely on them to give me any backup. I knew my buddy would if he was alone, but he salutes her. So I had nobody. And, yeah. you know, you, you go from the couple's world to a single's world where you just don't have friends. And even if you did, who wants to, who wants to cry on one of your friend's shoulder? That's not what we do. Right. So how'd you handle it? You know, I just tried to focus on myself for most of the time. Uh, you know, I started eating healthier, taking my dog out and whatnot, and, you know, trying to keep myself busy. But even then, it's trying to get that motivation to do so. For the longest time, it just wasn't there. Yeah, I, I would imagine. So what do you do? Do you just cocoon in the uh, in the apartment for, for days on end? Yeah, months. You know, I'd go to work, come home, yeah, have a couple of drinks, go to bed, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. So what got you out of it? You know, focusing on myself, trying to find things to keep myself occupied, finding hobbies and getting out and doing things. What kind of hobbies did you do? Uh, right now, I've been kind of doing a lot of housework and started to take care of my grandparents' lawn because, you know, they're getting older and my grandfather in particular, you know, he used to take a lot of pride in his uh, way his house looked. Uh, so most of the summer, you know, I was over there mowing every weekend, uh, edging the lawn, you know, you know, painting the trim. I got you out. Yeah. I'm thinking it was probably a blessing to you that, that he was there and he was close and he had a lawn that you needed to do maintenance on. Right. Yeah. It gave me something to take pride in. Yeah. Something to make you proud of and service. I think you actually mm. hit on something there. You were a zombie for eight months and you, you got out. I'm going to say at least partly because you, you found somebody to do good things for. Right. Yeah. So during that lowest moment, you said that lowest moment lasted for months because you were just alone mm. and you yeah. are only weeks out of that lowest moment because only two weeks ago, you got 50% custody of your child, right? Right. You were, you were a zombie just a few days ago still. Yeah. yeah and, um, you know, even still, uh, after the handoff, uh, last Sunday, you know, I you know, find myself come back, starting to fall into that same routine. You know, it's like, what am I, what am I going to do now? How does that feel? Is that a lonely feeling? Is it a depressed feeling? Is it an empty island sort of a feeling? What does that feel like? Um, yeah, you know, I'd say it's more of like a depressed feeling. I'd, uh, you know, just sat down and, you know, looked at all the toys and everything that were strewn about. And, you know, and 10 minutes after dropping my son off, I was already missing him. Oh yeah. You got those toys. Did you, um, what did you do? Did you leave them there just to prove that he was there for a minute or? Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It took me, uh, about three days to really get everything cleaned up, you know, and, uh, you hit on it right there. Yeah. If you, if you can't have your son, at least you can have the echoes in a, in a weird way. It's kind of like having a, a son die and then the parents never change the room for the next hundred years. Right. Yeah. Uh, you want to retain what you can. And so you get them back next week? Uh, yep. We, uh, our handoffs are uh, in the evenings every Sunday. Every Sunday. Okay. So you are just barely out of your lowest moment. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of sort of back into it for this week. So yeah. uh, this is going to be an interesting question because you're kind of still in your lowest moment. But if your lowest moment was your son being gone, how was that a benefit and a blessing for you? Um, it really gave me a chance to find myself again, you know, uh, start thinking for myself and, you know, doing things that I want, 
what's the difference between the Chris? I'm going to divide your life into three segments. The one where you were married to the ex and you were saluting her and being controlled by the next one for the eight month period where you were living all alone in an empty, isolated cave of darkness. Uh, and the third phase of your life, which was last week, <laughs> uh, not, not a very long phase of your life at this point. Um, right, right. Let's talk about the first, the difference between phase one, Chris and phase two, Chris, what's the difference between those two dudes? Uh, you know, phase one, it was, you know, I didn't really get a chance to, you know, think for myself, you know, I was, everything I was doing was for my ex and, you know, maintaining, you know, a home and family and, you know, just working day in, day out, um, not really having a chance to connect with friends or do things, you know, that I like. And, uh, that is its own form of zombie mode, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then phase two, you know, um, it was kind of like a punch to the gut, you know, having, you know, the family that I'd been trying to build up, you know, ripped away and being alone. But I you know, it also gave me a chance to really focus on myself for the first time. Yeah. And now phase three mode, uh, who is, who is this Chris that, that is, uh, different than phase one and two uh you know i'm really more myself now than i have been in the last decade you know i'm really enjoying things that i hadn't enjoyed in years and doing things you know that you know, make me happy do you now do them with your son oh yeah yeah we had a lot of fun and what are those things uh you know i we went to the park, we went to arcades and, you know, just got out and enjoyed, you know, the beauty of, you know, Alaska. Uh -huh. I, I went to Costa Rica once and uh, I'm, I'm from Utah and we decided that we were going to do uh, horses. Mm. So we, we ordered the horses and showed up and, uh, and they, we showed up in beach gear, you know, shorts, uh, sandals and a t-shirt and oh, yeah. we didn't we didn't know that that's that you can't do that on horses and they they <laughs> said a couple of times they said well we thought that because you were from utah that you ride horses every day <laughs> and one of us had spent some time on horses the rest of us mm -hmm. knew what a horse was and that was about the extent of it um oh yeah you and now I don't re even remember where I was going to go with that, but, uh, I, oh yeah, I do. I do. You live in Alaska. I am going to mm -hmm. assume that you're an outdoors type of person. Is, is that true? No, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So you take your, uh, you take them outdoors and yeah, yeah. that's what you enjoy. And I'm going to guess that he enjoys it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like pulling teeth to get back inside at the end of the day. <laughs> that's awesome it, it's uh it has to be rewarding to know that the things that uh you enjoy he enjoys and you can bond that way yeah yeah definitely yeah uh does does the ex-wife do the same does she take him out or is that not a thing 
Uh, you know, I'm not too sure. She's um, did she? Been very, yeah, you know, uh, secretive. You know, uh-huh. uh huh. You know, he mentions we went to the parks, you know, from from time to time. But uh, you know, she's really when we were together, she's very much so like a homebody. She would, you know, just like to be at home. So I assume, you know, it's probably the same type of uh, atmosphere it's he's in. Not going to be different. Yeah, I think of Alaska and I think of moose walking down the street. Oh yeah, that or you said you're in Anchorage, right? Mm. Yeah, you ever get that sort of thing happen? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the moose, uh, they aren't in the city too often. Uh, not as much in the summertime as they are in the winter. Uh, but the area that I live in, we get quite a bit of uh, black bears that run through the uh, neighborhoods. And uh, do you duck and run for cover, or just wave at the bear as you're walking past? Uh, usually just, you know, kind of wave at the bear, yell. They're fairly smaller compared to, you know, like brown bears. So um, they're just kind of more like you know, rabid dogs. <laughs> so there's black bear, brown bear, and grizzly bear. And the grizzlies you don't mm. mess with. Yeah, black, yeah. Black bear are just smaller. And so you just kind of act aggressive with them. Um, yeah, yeah. They're they're more often to uh, run away from you, you know, than, you know face you and fight you where the round bear you got to respect him a little more yeah yeah i'm gonna go back to that dark moment i want to hit that question again how has that taught you to be a better dad and a happier person uh you know it forced me to really analyze my life and you know what was important to me and make me look at you know what i want moving forward you know, I could choose to, you know, get sucked into that feeling and not get out of it or use that opportunity to look inside myself and see what, you know, what I want, rise out of it. So let's, uh, let's do a time machine. You get, uh, you get a DeLorean. This is a back to the future reference, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you get to set that thing to go back to any time you want, where you can go back to visit you and give you advice. What date and time are you going to go to? And, uh, what advice are you going to give? Hmm. That's, that's a good one. Plenty of times I could go back and get myself. I'd probably go, you know, to my early twenties and, you know, tell myself, you know, use this time to expand your horizons. You know, don't party so much. Don't, uh, you know, waste your life away. Get a degree in something or, you know, find something that you can excel in. Most of my, you know, my early 20s, you know, I I call them uh, my roaring 20s because uh, I did, you know, lots of partying back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't really use that time as effective as I could have, you know, which sent me back a few years. Right. So what other time are you going to stop at with the DeLorean? Probably at the beginning of my last relationship. Tell myself, uh, follow your heart. Do, um, do what you think is best. In my case, I realized that, um, you know, things were, were not to my liking when I ended my first marriage. You know, for all the stuff that was going on, I realized that uh, there was never a single moment when I, you know, I never said, look, X, Y, and Z is happening and I don't like it. And we've got some choices. Either you can put an end to that or I've got a choice to make. I never gave her that option. Mm-hmm. Did you Did you ever have that moment with your ex? Yeah, I would say so. Probably not when we were together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once I was on my own, you know, I had that, you know, freedom again to stand up for myself, tell her it's not going to be this way. 
yeah, I can identify with that because I similarly lacked the spine, the freedom to, mm-hmm. to say, look, this is, this is what I need it to be. I just left because I was yeah. spineless. And so, yeah, you get away from her and your spine suddenly grows and then you can have that conversation. At that point, it's less effective, but at least you had it. I never right. did. What am I missing? Uh, that you mentioned, we've already been down the road of, of the hardest point in your life. Um, mm-hmm. What am I not dragging out of you as we talk? Uh, what, what else? What was your motivations for, for coming onto this podcast? You know, when I was in that lowest part of my life, you know, nobody turned to, nobody talked to. I just happened to, you know, search, you know, different, you know, fathers groups and, you know, just looking for advice and here this whole time I'm thinking that, you know, this is a unique thing that I'm experiencing. And it wasn't until I joined these groups that I realized, you know, this is very common, the way you feel, the way you know, your ex treats you, you know, the hardships that you're enduring, enduring. Yeah. Yeah. We all think that our condition is unique. And mm-hmm. it sounds like your and my condition were very similar. And yeah. I'm sure we're not the only two. You know, there's there's not that many different uh ways for a spouse of either a male or a female variety to turn into Satan, but being controlling is certainly on the short list. Definitely. I mean even even still, you know, she's trying to uh maintain that control. You know, we're two weeks into this court order and you know, she's already had her attorney put in a motion for reconsideration trying to um, strip me from the equal custody I have. I'm going to say that's pretty awesome that you got equal custody in Utah. I I was told that uh, even though courts are theoretically neutral, the woman Mm. always gets the 80% and uh, the man is stripped down to, you know, once a week at night and every other weekend. Right. Um, I I'm glad for you that you got 50% custody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's awesome. And it, it turned out uh, badly for the ex-wife because, uh, you know, once, once the uh, kids turned 18, uh, they were no longer my financial responsibility. She had set that mm-hmm. up and I held her to it. And oh, yeah. where if she was, if she had gone, for example, 50, 50, uh, it wouldn't have mattered to me whether they were 18 or not. I would have provided half of their support. Oh yeah, uh, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, she fought hard for, for keeping my minutes to a minimum. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if that's the game we're playing, then that's the game we're playing. You know, you'll get what you get and I'll get what I get. And my liabilities were, will be exactly what the law says they are. Right. Yeah. I'm unpleasant that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's about, uh, how I am with her now. Yeah. Do you have a uh, business you want to plug or any last words you'd like to throw in there? What's uh, eating at you that, you that you'd like to tell the 10 million people that are watching you right now? Really, I would like to say, you know, if you're going through a similar battle or any type of battle, you know, for your children, you know, just don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it might be hard to see at the moment, but if you keep at it, you know, you'll get there. That's good advice. Thanks, Chris.